It's time to get your shit together with the Gist of It podcast. The honest, straight-talking mental health and mindset podcast from Gist Coaching. Better mindset, better decisions, better life. Hi there, Chris Piercy here with the Gist of It podcast, joined also by Chris. Chris Gear, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not so bad. So, um... Chris heard about the Gist of It podcast because Caleb, who was on episode four, I want to say, um, it's friends of his, friend of his. Yeah, I've known Caleb since the teenagers, really. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think got tagged in a post, and then we got talking. Then thought, yeah, grab you on, and let's talk about everything because you run a page called Doubt My Default. Yeah, I do indeed. I started running the page. Back in about July, mm-hmm. um, my, my depression had been triggered quite a lot from the lockdown and there's quite a few things that happened during that period. And I sort of hit a rock bottom mm. and I thought, well, I need to get myself out of this. And um, the best way that I thought of doing that would be by doing like a journal of some sort. Yeah. But well, actually, why not make it public and try and help other people who might be suffering or just generally get the word out there about mental health and try and... Um, encourage others to speak up and just be that sort of voice if people can't find their own sort of thing Um, yeah so was that an accountability thing as well to kind of you know make sure that you're still there to um do the entries and stuff and you know if you say you're going to do something on the page then you feel like more like you have to do it in real life is that yeah i can't go preaching this that a, B, and C, and then not do it myself, sort of thing. So, if I'm saying something on the page, then I kind of have to be living by that myself and encourage others to do do the same. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty sensible, uh, and you know, it's something that um, I do with the um, just coaching page as well. As uh, I, I, one one of the things that really bugs me, and I don't know if this is something that annoys you as well, but when people share what I call shit quotes, where it's just like a waterfall background and some words yeah, mountains and yeah, fancy yeah, yeah. scroll writing yeah and then the quote might be good but then we will share it and then don't live by that quote so like, what's the point yeah like, agreed what, um I, I did a whole blog which turned into a bit of a rant about the whole thing um yeah i had <laughs> if you if you put something up then yeah you should be living by that because otherwise it's just like almost like virtue signaling or something which is just plain annoying anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. i've dived down into my own rant again there so what was it particularly about the lockdown that you know made things worse for you do you think well going back to the beginning of march obviously when it was imposed mm-hmm. at first it was um it, it was good you know i was on furlough so i getting paid i had all this time off work and you could do what you want, whether it was beautiful, have a couple of drinks in the park, you know, you sort of have your life to do what you want to a degree. Mm. Um, and then a couple of things happened towards like the second or third month. So first of all, um, a very close relative of mine has have been, has been having a bad time anyway, um, ended up in A&E a couple of times with um, attempted overdoses. Okay. Um, found out as well that another family member had developed terminal brain cancer. Mm. um so there's a couple of family things going on which obviously I took on as well and it affected me um and I, th- I think after a while not having that routine or that structure 
of going to work. Um, I don't know, I almost felt, I wake up each day like, why? What, what am I doing? What have I got? And then after the three months or so, um, you know, the idea of going back to work, I was getting regular updates about getting back into work. I was quite nervous and scared. Um, mm. You know, because I, I work in hospitality. So you have to be putting on that brave face for guests day in, day out. No matter how you're feeling, you have to try and be positive and happy and smiley and friendly. And I didn't think I could do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, with my depression, a lot of people obviously let it out emotionally through crying or what, however way you want to deal with it. Myself, I'm not much of a crier. And I think the only time I actually cried this year was going back to work because I felt so overwhelmed from everything that had been going on. Um, the thought of having to, you know, put on that front again yeah. and miss how I'm feeling just for the sake of customer service in yeah. the quote. And um, it was tough. It was really tough. But, you know, I cracked on with it. I gave him my best shot and I thought, it's, it's not actually that bad. You know, did I, so did I overthink it? Did I overreact it? Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm still going back to work and then that's kind of what led me to starting the page, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, so I think sometimes you need to hit rock bottom before you can kind of find the willpower to change yeah, and to make that positive change. So um, yeah, that's when I also start started help. I started helping myself by reading a couple of self help books, and the idea of the page sort of came through from that. Really, okay. I'm interested to ask if it's all right. You said about a um, relative of yours having a couple of attempted overdoses. So obviously they're um, they're obviously presumably dealing with depression as well. Now, was that a shock to you? Were you aware that this person had issues, or was it? Um, yeah, I mean, they've been, um, well, I've signed off from work since I think it was the end of last year, so coming up a year now, um, and very much just confined to the house, I didn't want to leave, just didn't have any um, self-worth, and I guess we always knew that there was, there was issues, but then when it got to that point of hearing, oh, shit, like, this is... You know, he really is feeling really feeling this way and yeah. um it was, it was scary i mean you kind of feel helpless to a degree because you're not too sure what you can do because i mean one of my recent posts was saying if people are struggling with depression one of the best things to do if they have to be left alone is just leave them alone don't bug them mm. um so you kind of had to make sure that you're there let's stay in contact like how you're doing just asking about day-to-day -day life um but yeah, I think it just kind of felt like the, they have no reason to be here anymore and it wouldn't make a difference if they weren't. And it's, yeah, not, not a nice feeling knowing that somebody so close to you is feeling that way. Yeah, it's it's impossibly difficult. It's because, you know, obviously you just want to dive in and just help. You want to just dive into the situation and go, what can I do to make this better? You know, whether it's a, a partner, whether it's a relative, whether it's a friend, you just want to be there but the problem is that you just you can throw yourself into the situation but then you're just like well actually i don't actually know what to do because they don't want to be hugged they don't want to have you know it's everyone's depression is so difficult that you know it's like trying to unlock a puzzle or something and and, yeah. and the problem also is that they either don't know what they want um or they haven't even worked out themselves 
what what it is that they want the, the depression we tell them well i don't even want help because what's the point because this is forever because depression can yeah. so often feel like an absolute forever feeling because i, and I, and I know because I've, I've been there myself and you just you can sit there and you think well what is the point and it's, it's really really difficult because you, know, you have you to struggle days pardon you, you struggle to see the, the prospect of there being better days yeah absolutely um and it's it from my point of view my dealings with it from both personal experience as well as helping friends and from a therapy point of view in terms of helping people is that you know all you can do is throw the rope down to them and it's there up to them to pull themselves out of the hole um and it's and it is really really tough but and then you know this is one of the reasons that i've started what well, i've started and you start what you've started and why there's other things popping up as well that have been going for a while where we're just trying to just normalize the whole thing and say yeah a bunch of us have also felt really shit and not felt like there's going to be brighter days but yeah i felt like that and now i've got two children and they make every single day worth living and that can be yeah. something you could have in the future you know but people don't see past that yeah it's it's very much like the metaphor of looking down a dark tunnel it's like do you see the light at the end mm. and with depression i just didn't i didn't see a light at the end Mm. but um, you just got to keep keep walking down that tunnel and eventually it's there and you you know what you need to do to yourself to be able to to reach it i mean it's, it's not easy but there there is coping mechanisms and there is ways to get to get through it so where where are you out of things now you said obviously you had hit a kind of a rock bottom where you had to throw yourself back into something which you didn't feel like you could do so what where where are you at with your kind of depression and um and stuff now you're finding it easier you got more into a routine yeah i mean to a degree i mean i wouldn't say that i'm recovered or cured or anything like that so i still have my bad days and um but i i feel like no well i've had quite a few messages and things from a page of people saying that it's really helped them and that kind of gave me a, a good feeling it made me feel that purpose like i want to be helping others mm. um so you know, after after the events of this year and obviously hospitality, working in that trade for the last seven or eight years, um, I've I've realised that maybe that's not what I want to be doing for my life. Like, do I see myself still doing that in 10 years time? Like, not really, no. So with my depression for helping myself and trying to get through it, I, I kind of want to help others, which is why I've started doing an online course in regards to, to mental health. Mm. Um, keeping myself focused, making myself even more aware of the subject. And um, whether it helps my depression or not, it's that's that for me isn't the biggest goal. It's helping others. Like you said about giving somebody the rope, I want to be that person to try and help people climb that rope, so to speak. Um, yeah. So having a better understanding of not just depression, but a whole variety, varieties of the wrong words, but um, every different, style of mental illness so i want to have a basic understanding to to be able to help others so to speak yeah and i think that's i think it's really common for therapists counselors you know or hypnotherapists or whatever kind of psychotherapist no matter what kind of brand of um therapist you turn into it's pretty 
normal for them to have had issues themselves and it's it's this kind of feeling that yeah i know how bad this is i don't want other people to feel this way and yeah like you said i mean you know with the with the lockdown for you it started like oh this is awesome i can do whatever i want um but ultimately it, it led you down to this place where you felt like you didn't really have any value because you weren't contributing anything because yeah. you just this kind of person walking through life having a couple of drinks and you know doing what you're doing but you're not providing anything to society and i think that that's one of the things that people i think miss when they uh when they are depressed is that they they don't realize that that contribution to the world or to the society or to you know life in general is something that can make you feel absolutely incredible i mean it, it really really is i mean it's the one of the foundations of having good self-esteem is feeling like you are contributing to something because that really will elevate the sense of worth within you as well so i think that yeah that that idea of i feel awful i now want to help people is really really common and it's really it's a really really good place to get to as well because that kind of outward focus will not only help the people that you're focusing on but it also means you're not just inwardly looking at me 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 yeah because depression is horrifically selfish there if like <laughs> it's basically just there asking you to look at yourself and feel shit about yourself <laughs> yeah pretty much and there's, there's no outward focus of depression whatsoever which is why if you can force an outward focus it can really really help how you're feeling so yeah that's yeah so what 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 path of in terms of the course so doing the course what sort of path are you finding yourself going down i see that's something that i have been thinking about um again like, i don't know whether i want to be going into like mental health um support worker or therapy or like yourself life coaching i i honestly don't know right now mm. um but i i think in a way that's kind of a good thing because if i set myself right in two three years time I want to be a counselor or a therapist um i've got that in the distance and i kind of see that as if you're on like a really really long road and you see a skyscraper in the distance that is my goal if i was just to focus purely on that i put my headphones in all down the road until i get there whereas by keeping my options open you know i'm i'm not putting those headphones in i'm just walking down the road i can hear what's going on I see different things and you know you can take little side roads and go somewhere else and you might find something better than what that skyscraper is for you yeah. so it's very much a case of I'm just one step at a time I'm just I'm going to do this course and then whether that leads me on to a different course or I get an idea as to a particular area that I want to go into then then I can so to, in answer of your question I at the moment I don't know where it's going to take me but I'm excited as to the possibilities of the doors that it could open yeah it's interesting you should say that actually because um obviously i i was a performer and was a magician then i found hypnosis as a performance thing um kayla can tell you all about that and then i fell into thinking oh this is pretty powerful this hypnosis stuff you're getting people to forget their name you're getting people to get their hands stuck to their head or whatever and then from that i went well this is so powerful that i should be using it for more good than just um you know entertainment, entertainment. yeah so that's when I, I did the 
went and did the uh, cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy diploma. So that had parts of NLP in it, which I don't use so much. Um, and the, the main thing I use within it is um, the cognitive behavioral therapy because it's just taught some really, really interesting techniques. And now, you know, life coaching normally is just kind of helping someone just get from A to B with no kind of therapeutic thing whatsoever. It's just like almost like encouragement or whatever, or just accountability. Whereas what I'm trying to do is using the bits of knowledge that I picked up on, on the way, you know, I've put it all together into what I am doing now. And that's kind of what you've said is that you don't want us to be focused on this one thing because that means that you'll have the blinkers on and you know, will be won't be so mindful about the the other information that's uh, that's going on around you and like coming in. Yeah. So yes, yeah, re- re- really good path to be taking, I think, because you know you're walking down like a wide road, leaving man- many options open to yourself. Um, yeah, exactly. So going back to what you said about this kind of relative of yours, I mean, was it? Within your family, you know, if you you, you had depression, this relative you, of yours is you know, having a bad time as well. Is mental health spoken about within your family? Is it an open thing or is it a... It, it definitely is. Um, I mean, again, whether uh, mental health uh, issues such as depression are more, what's the word? Um, if you're more at risk of it from genetics or that sort of thing, I, it's obviously still to be 100% proven but um mm. in in my family you know it's it is an open conversation that we have and there are a few of us that do have depression or other anxieties and and all sorts um so we've never felt like we're not able to speak up we've never felt like we have to hide it um which, which is it was just which is good i mean especially, really good. When I, especially when i was living at home if if i'm sort of shut away in my room at the time then my family would know sort of leaving to it he just wants to keep keep he needs his own little space for the moment and um you know as soon as i'm ready i'll come out and i will have a chat and sit in the lounge and do whatever um but no mental health it's definitely um been a, a talk about or a talkable um concept in in my household when i was growing up that's really good because i don't think that's particularly common uh, i think that often if a parent is suffering with such things that they want to protect their child from it because they don't want them to know about that kind of thing because it can seem a little bit scary so if you're in that environment where you feel like you're able to talk about it then that's that's really really good um probably put you in pretty good stead for kind of recovering from from things as well um so what sort of things have you found have helped you and what sort of things have you found have not helped you in terms of getting your depression into a, a better place where you're in more more in control of it um i'd say one thing that definitely doesn't help and it's probably a very common thing for a lot of people as well is alcohol um mm-hmm. i'm not saying that i was an alcoholic by any means but i i enjoyed a drink um like um and if I finish work, first thing I want to do is ask have a pint, you know, um, and then one pint could lead to two. And then you wake up the next day. You know, at the end of the day, alcohol is a depressant. So we get the next day feeling pretty shitty. Mm. Um, but again, like I said, I, I wasn't a big drinker um, in my in my late teens, early 20s. Like most people that age, 
I, I was a big drinker, but that was more recre- recreationally, I guess, rather than dependence. Mm. Um, but I think um, I used to enjoy going for a night out and having those drinks um, because it made life more fun, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, alcohol is something that I've definitely cut out a lot of this year. I, I don't drink. And yeah, I'll have the odd beer now and then, but um, I'm not going out two, three times a week like I was before. It's it gives you much clearer head by not. And it's a waste of money at the end of the day. Um, so was that was that a, like a conscious decision to kind of cut that out, or does, was that just a, a natural progression as you, as you natural, got older? Yeah, natural progression. I think. Um, again, I'm 31 now. And I guess a year or two ago, I was still living my life like I was an 18 year old. You know, I still be going out for nights out quite often. Yeah. Um, and again, like I said, I think that might have been purely because of the enjoyment factor of it. Obviously, the, the social side, so you're seeing, you're seeing your friends, you're having a good laugh and life is good, essentially. Mm. So in a way, that kind of anything else that's going on in your life, I'm not saying you forget about it, but it sort of pushes it to one side and you focus on. On, on the night and having a good time um but i mean yeah I, mean, I know a lot of people this year especially with the lockdown have started drinking a bit more because they've got more time on their hands and they think you know got nothing to get out for why not have a few drinks but i think that's quite quite a dangerous path um yeah for sure you know i especially with the increase at the moment of mental health issues um alcoholism and substance abuse is not is not the answer at the end of the day um but anyway going back to your question um so obviously alcohol didn't help to a degree and I, I found Did you, that do you think that you were ever were you trying to use it as a way of distracting yourself from your problems like during your 20s then um i, I wouldn't say as such as, as a way of distracting myself i think the main way that i distracted myself was by playing video games mm. um you know, because you're in control of this different character you're in a different world and you're living in that world you're not living in your own yeah um so video games for me was was a big part actually of coping mechanism i guess with my depression um you sort of take yourself away from reality and you just get absorbed into a different world um but again yeah speaking of which that's something else this year as well that i haven't been doing as much um especially since going back to work um you know on my days off now i'd you know i i do some reading i watch some ted talks um just trying to educate myself i guess and that's helped me a lot um self-education and making yourself more aware of what's going on not only in your head but just in life and society in general um getting a different viewpoint is is really interesting and it's open open my eyes quite a lot hence why you know i've started running the page essentially so I'm interested to know, you said you kind of started to educate yourself a bit more on, you know, said you've been reading some health, help, self-help books. Has there been any real kind of mic drop moments where you just had like moments of clarity, like things that you've read are like, holy shit, that. Have you had any moments where you just, your eyes have just opened and gone, something fires in your brain? Yeah. Um, to a degree, yeah. I mean, I think, one one thing well obviously the name of my page is doubt my default and there's an that came, about where that came from 
Yeah, well, here we go. I preempted your question. Um, yeah. Essentially, it's I've completely forgotten his name. It's uh, gone out of my head. But um, there's a TED Talk that I watched, and it was about um, like success and uh, businesses and, you know, w- what makes a successful person, so to speak. And it showed that most of the successful um, people in business so on the laptop, the tablet, the phone, or whatever, you've always got a pre-installed web browser. So you've always, if you're Apple, you've got Safari, um, or you've got Samsung Internet, or anything like that. Yeah. But um, shows that the most successful people don't they don't use those. They go out of the way to use Firefox or they use some other sort of browser. So yeah. rather than just using using the the default that's already there in front of them, they mm. go out of the way to find something else so they're, they're doubting the default sort of thing if that makes sense yeah um which leading back to obviously my page my my default so to speak was just living with depression day by day playing playstation going to work not really getting anywhere um and that's when i thought you know what i, I want to make a change i'm, I'm going to doubt that default and rather than looking for a different browser i'm going to look for a different version of myself um, and I think when I watched that TED talk and I sort of heard that, that's when I was like, do you know what? That, that makes that makes sense. Why not interpret that into my life? So, yeah, hence, yeah. hence the name of the page, really. Um, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think that it's kind of quite a nice metaphor for, you know, invoking change in yourself is I think that you can. It's very, very easy just to wake up each morning and just kind of trudge especially if you're kind of down in that place of anxiety or depression where you wake up and you have this idea in your head that this is my life. This is, this is my lot. This, I'm not, not going to get any more than this. I wake up, I, um, you know, get, have my breakfast, have my cup of coffee. I uh, get the train to work. I sit at work, I get home and then, you know, do whatever a bit and I wake up the next day and then I do it all over again. And that's, yeah. that is basically the default that you're kind of, essentially talking about but 100%. there's literally no one saying that you have to do that you know if you if you have i mean covid aside which is kind of fucking everything up for everyone like you know if you have lightly. yeah if you had if you've got 500 quid in your bank account which is not you know if you, if you the paycheck comes in for the month there's nothing to say that you actually have to carry on going to work you could just jump on a plane to amsterdam you know yeah yeah, I mean, the essentially what we're talking about is limiting beliefs. So people have these beliefs that they cannot do things. People have beliefs that they, what they, they, the way that they live is how they have to live forevermore. People That's believe, exactly. yeah, people believe that they have to do what they've been told to do by their mum, the dad, the society. You know, people have been told, <laughs> oh, you have to go and work for the man. You know. You can't be self-employed or whatever so yeah I, I completely get it and it's yeah it's quite a nice quite a nice way of just pointing out that that's not how anything has to be whatsoever yeah you, you don't if you're not happy with your life then there, there are ways to make a change you don't have to just cope with it and like you say trudge along you, there, there are ways to make little changes and doubt the, doubt the default really doubt, doubt the default life that you're living yeah i mean that's a, essentially this is what life coaching is all about it's saying right okay this is exactly where you are where would you like to be 
okay i'd like to be doing that right let's find together let's find the pathway from there to there and find out what obstacles are me in the way and find out how we're going to overcome those obstacles and then lo and behold a couple of months down the line you're actually a lot close to where you want to be or maybe you are where you, where you want to be because i did i remember when i was uh around about 18 or 19 i went to a therapy session i don't know if it, I, I don't i think it must have been a counselor i can't actually remember but i remember the counselor saying to me or the therapist saying to me i'd like you to describe your perfect day to me and i was like what my if anything anything can happen and she was like yeah describe your perfect day and i went went through and described this day and with the exception of a couple of things, like driving a Ford Mustang 67, um, with the exception of that and one other thing, I can't remember exactly what it was, it was such an achievable day. It was not something that was just like, yeah, I'm going to wake up and all of a sudden I'm in Vegas and then I put some money yeah. in, whatever. It was not. And most people's idea of something that's amazing or perfect or whatever isn't actually that far away it's just that they trudge as we've said they get caught in this kind of rut caught in this default where they have to do whatever whereas that perfect that they say would make them feel amazing is actually just kind of four or five small decisions away which could be which could be as simple as yeah i want to spend some time with some friends i haven't seen for a while well call them then yeah that's a really good point i like that yeah so what what Describe your perfect day. Cool. Right. Now go make it happen because it's probably not like having sex with Scar Scarlett Johansson all day. It's probably not what, <laughs> I mean, that's not, that might be what your brain thinks for a bit, but in terms of what you actually want in terms of a perfect day, that might not probably be a part of it. You know, maybe it is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, that like going, going through the idea of a perfect day, a lot of people, they probably would think, do you know what? Yeah, I want to wake up in Vegas. I want to travel the world and stuff. But you, you can't do that in a day. Like the, the simplest little thing is spending some time with your friends, with your family, just generally having a laugh. And I think perfect day is a day filled of happiness. And to achieve happiness, I feel like people are always trying to, uh, what's the word? They're always, always searching for it when actually sometimes it is just there right in front of them. Um, yeah. and I think as society, we're always being pushed to just try and go higher and higher and do more and do more um, in search of finding your um, your nirvana, mm. your perfect place. Mm. But like you say, it's, it doesn't have to be as far as far away as what your mind is telling you that it is. It, it doesn't have to be hard to get there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer that's, and I've said this quite a few times already, that gratitude is the pathway to being content. If you're just you know trying to find the perfect place to be well try looking down at your own feet and it's probably about there you know it's i have people finding out that i'm a life coach and say can you make me rich why do you want to be rich so i've got money i can buy everything that i want okay why do you want to buy everything that you want oh so i've got all of these things okay how are they going to make you happy you know, and you just go, you don't go down this thing, and yeah. ultimately you find out that this is this kind of like being a, a really fucking annoying three year old that goes, Why? Why? <laughs> and 
if you keep asking that why when you're actually talking to someone about what they want in life you actually get drilled down to them actually want something really really simple and it's not about being rich and it's not about having loads of money and it's not about you know people you know being around them thinking they're amazing whatever it kind of comes down to something simple like you said like yeah i just because i want to do cool stuff with my friends okay well you can do that without being really rich and it'd be a hell of a lot like less effort than going through the whole process you'd have to be in order to become rich and all the energy and everything you have to put in you can just pick up the phone and call your mate you know, <laughs> you know and I'm then there we go simplifying it but you get what i mean yeah no 100 percent um yeah, I think a lot of people that they see their life goal as having a nice big house, a nice car, just the generic shit that everybody says that they want in life. Yeah. But you, you don't you don't need that to be happy. Like if you're pinning your your happiness in life on gaining those things, so does that mean that if you don't get them, you're not happy? Yeah. You know, you're it's, it's not it's not the case at all. It's, yeah. yeah yeah gratitude is yeah the importance well the um the thing i always point out to people is like let's say you get your nice house and you get your nice car like if you've gone into the mindset that those things are going to make you happy once you've got them your mind's going to feel pretty empty because like well i don't know what i want now because i've got these things and then ultimately you go well i guess i want to get a slightly bigger house and then i want to get a slightly better car and then maybe what you've got. and then you get there and then you just come it's referred to as the hedonistic treadmill where you just like you're there running on the spot with all these and you're kind of running after all these good things and then you get them but then you're on the treadmill so you've got to keep running because you've put your your happiness is reliant on getting these things so that once you've got them, you don't then have value, you don't place value on them because it was the act of achieving them that was the thing. So that then to feel good, you then have to keep running on the spot to then achieve them, to get the feeling that's to get them again. Whereas it's better to just to be, you know, if you can desire what you've already got, then you're going to be putting yourself in the best possible place to feel happy in life. Yeah, I mean, I, I drop. <laughs> bam over finished (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know like i think money is the root of all evil essentially i think people base their value of happiness on money like people will say they want to win win the lottery so okay you win the lottery but then how many times do you hear of lottery winners regretting the fact that they've won it's ruined their life it's because suddenly everything is possible to them that you don't, like you say, you don't have that value. You don't have that purpose. What what are you now working towards? What are you trying to achieve? You know, you've got what you've always wanted, so you should be happy, right? But nine times out of ten, no, they're not happy, and they wish they never had it. Yeah, I think yeah, it's pretty common to, that people get greedy, or you know, relatives get jealous, or friends start popping out of the woodwork. You know, once as soon as someone's won the lottery. Um, yeah, and I think that if, if, you know, if I was to win the lottery, I think the first thing that I would do, you know, would, you know, obviously I'd sort myself out. But you know, even before that, I'd probably 
call my own life coach and say, right, how do I make sure I don't fuck this up? How do I? Because <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I'm a very grateful person. I feel like no matter what situation I'm in, I can pull the best parts out of it and not kind of lust after more. But, you know, lot, lot, lottery wins. It's a lot of money, a lot of possibilities. It's like, how, how do you stop yourself from falling out of that place where you're grateful for what you've got, even when it's not much, when you then find yourself with everything or all the possibilities? It's a, yeah. That, that, that would be the first, probably one of the first things I'd do because, you know, it's, it's, it's a, everything's a mind game, ultimately. You know, your brain makes all your decisions. So yeah. the best thing possible is to get getting control of your mind and go, right, what am I going to do with this 8 million then or whatever it is? So it yeah, doesn't make life. Most people are like, right, I'm going to splurge and go to Florida for, Florida for a month, travel the world, buy a mansion, get nice cars. It always comes down to house and cars, I think. Mm. And then what? You know, it's, yeah. I, I, I feel like a lot of the time, if you've got those things that you want to achieve, it's the journey, well, not the word journey, but it's the steps and the actions that you take of getting there that should be the enjoyable part yeah. rather than rather than just staring down at the, again, it goes back to my skyscraper analogy earlier, rather than just focusing purely on that one thing in the distance, you've got to enjoy yourself along the way. Well, yeah, it's the when I think about the things that I'm most proud of in terms of what I've achieved, you know, um, I, you know, I spent six or seven years doing an OU maths degree, you know, no, like literally my, with me as the only person motivating myself to do it. You know, if I'd just woken up one morning and someone said, Hey, uh, Chris, I got you a maths degree. There you go. You can hang that on the wall. Then it would have absolutely no worth or meaning to me whatsoever. It's the fact that I'd, like you said put in the hard yards you know and grafted and you know hit my head against the wall and cried because i didn't understand things and called my more intelligent friends and said don't understand this triple integral can you please explain what the fuck this is you know it's the fact that i've gone through that process that makes makes it so much more you know valuable and the same with you know the other things like my children and like that it is that process that the fact that you've gone through something in order to achieve it makes it that much more valuable because just going oh here's a car that you just got because you bought a ticket for the lottery yeah completely different value on it compared to yeah i worked three years of my life putting away just what i could afford to put away just so i could get this car that you value it a lot more so much more to you because it's it's been it's been grafted for. Yes, you have that that deeper feeling of accomplishment, essentially. And um, you know, I think again, it must be might be going down a little bit of a tangent here, but um, when you are scrolling through social media or whatever, and you see, you know, these rich kids out in America or whatever who have been born into a rich family, they've never had to work a day in their life. They've got all this money. They've got these houses, got these cars, got these swimming pools, got everything that they need or could possibly want. They wouldn't. They don't value that in the same way as people 
who are working their asses off to try and afford them would value them. Mm. And I think th- there's a direct correlation with the rise of social media and rates of depression. And I think that is, it, this, this contributes to it to a degree um, because you've got people, especially younger people, scrolling through their news feeds and they're, they're seeing all these people, all these kids who have been born into rich families, they've got everything they could ever need. And then they see it, well, that, that's their goal in life now. They want to achieve that. But it's not as easy possible as easily possible for them, and you know they're just looking at the uh, the ideal life, and they want the ideal life. But it's not always what is in what's the word. It's not always um, what they're looking at. It's, they need to value what they've actually got themselves. Yeah. Does you kind of see where I'm coming from with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the social media is is pretty dangerous because, you know, if you are in that situation where you you know you've been born into money and you have whatever you want that you know fair play to you whatever, um, but and then you put the photo of you kind of sprawled out on a Lamborghini with hot bitches either side of you whatever, you know you put that's that's what you you put that on social media and that's what you want the universe to see and that's how you want to be seen by people, and then people see that who are never going to achieve that sort of thing and go, I want that kind of life. But ultimately they don't even know what that life is because, you know, it's the, it's the kind of classic um, film character kind of stereotype. Um, one that comes to mind at the moment is um, Flash from Spider-Man. How kind of rich kid got, what, got the car, you know, popular in school or whatever but you kind of ultimately find that he's not very happy and he doesn't actually get to see his daddy because daddy's working all the time to get all the money. And he's kind of, you know, kind of quite a stereotypical character. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that stereotype is actually much closer to reality for a, a lot of people because, you know, whether you're, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're kind of in the middle or whatever, most people ultimately just want love and support from the people that are around them. And if, you know, if they haven't got their dad around or their mum around because they're busy working, earning all, earning all the money that their kid is spending, then they're probably not going to be very happy, even though they've got all of that stuff. Because the Lamborghini and the hot bitches and the swimming pool doesn't provide love and support in the way that they want. So they, you know, when you see that picture on the social media, you're not looking at real life. You're not looking at a full picture. You're just looking at some guy on a Lamborghini with two hot bitches. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a snapshot of of their life and they obviously they're only going to post the good times they're not going to post them you know sat sat in their mansion all on their own watching a crappy movie in their i don't know two thousand pound jogging bottoms you know yeah. it's they're not going to post their shit times they're only going to post the good times and yeah, which, yeah absolutely i mean i i quite like and I wish I had one more. Uh, do you remember the thing that was a while back, the uh, kind of no makeup selfie thing that some women were doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. Yeah. That sort of thing should be like a weekly, like you have to do that kind of thing. <laughs> like so that <laughs> once a week, Kim Kardashian has to like post a photo of herself at the moment she wakes up and like the sheets are stuck to her face and her hair's like there, she's got drool, just to go, kind of just go, 
yeah, I've got this perfect life and everything, all this money and Kanye and everything else. Yeah, but I still wake up sometimes with a bit of drool down my face and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I'm still human. <laughs> yeah, I'm still human. Should be some sort of average thing you have to put where you have to kind of prove that you're human as well, because I would not even be surprised to find out, and bearing in mind I know nothing about the Kardashians whatsoever, but I would not be surprised at all if Kim Kardashian didn't even let Kanye see her until she's done her makeup. I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Yeah, I mean, that's, I could be completely wrong. No, it wouldn't surprise me in the fact either, actually, thinking about it. W- weird thing to say, but yeah. So, social media is, you know, on Liam's episode, um, I don't know if you've listened to that one, we kind of uh, yeah. into that. Um, he's saying that when he was in, in Australia, it's kind of this really beautiful place and there's an amazing waterfall and these girls just there getting annoyed that the hair's not right for the selfie for Instagram in front of this waterfall when it better be just to kind of put your fucking phone down and just sit and watch the waterfall for an hour and just enjoy it for what you want. Enjoy it. How have you come here just to take a selfie, just to say I'm here when you're having a shit time because you're worrying about your selfie? Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. No. Yeah. Like, like you say, social media is again. I did listen to Liam's episode, and I, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. But um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the, I, I don't know. Again, I know that he asked you this question. But have you watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix? Have you watched it yet? I haven't. I still haven't watched it yet. No. Uh, no, you you need to. It's um again. Anybody else listening to this as well? It's eye opening and it's terrifying. It's it's brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but um it yeah you give see me, it. Give now me a, a, a thirty second synopsis of why it's so eye opening and brilliant and terrifying. Um, well, basically, there's a lot of interviews with um, top execs who used to be in you know, Facebook, Twitter, Google, whatever. Mm. Um, and, you know, they were earning a lot of money. But then towards the end of it, they realized the monster that they created and what the damage that it's, it's making to society. Mm. And they're like, Do you know what? I'm out. And they gave up all that money and that lifestyle because they felt morally wrong doing what they were doing. I mean, your your phone, your Facebook profile, everything knows more about you than you know about yourself. And I think there's, there's one main thing that I took away from it. And if you think of people as users, there's only two times in life that people are described as a user. First of all, it's with drugs. Mm. Second of all is Facebook or Twitter. You know, they describe their customers inverted comments as users mm. and i think enough said yeah that's two letters away from abusers so yeah <laughs> I, I, I i have a real love hate relationship with facebook uh, and instagram um because it's incredibly useful for keeping in contact with people you know i'm um, it's it makes it makes you able to connect with all sorts of people like in in no time whatsoever and that, that is such a wonderful and powerful thing and you know the networks of people you can create and the groups of like-minded people you can create all of that stuff just feels really really good and it's also a very powerful and useful way to run a business although that is becoming harder and harder to do because organic reach is getting really really squashed 
but yeah on the other hand i'm very acutely aware having run facebook ads just how much you know, run, i run facebook ads for my, my wedding business before and i've run it for um other things as well and the targeting options that you can use to put your ads in front of the people you want to put them in front of are absolutely terrifying you would not believe how many of them there are it's just like and you know, it's the very fact that you know i had an instagram advert come up yesterday for thread do you know thread about. so basically it's a clove it's like it's like a middleman for clothing stores basically he says right we want to create you a look and you go right i like these pictures this is this, and this so what's your budget and you go it's my budget's this and he goes okay we'll compile a list of different clothes you might be interested in so they don't sell the clothes themselves but they basically go right here's these options from top man here's the options from whatever so i clicked on this right. through and had a look and played around with it for two or three minutes and then lo and behold next time i've gone on facebook my ad my newsfeed is just full of adverts for clothing because yeah. it's owned by facebook and they've seen that i've clicked on an ad they go they mark that i'm interested in clothing and then you know that all happens in about a nanosecond i reckon it's like yeah oh, see who lives in dorset is interested in um interested in buying clothes soon quickly show them all the adverts for clothes yeah it's, it's like the other day i i'm um, moving house in well, the beginning of january and you know i want to get a new safer i just googled had a quick little quick little look get some ideas next time i log on to facebook or instagram i've got adverts for wayfair for dfs for scs yeah and it's here chris have all the sofas all of them, <laughs> Take them pick. All. then you become overwhelmed and you're like oh fucking hell no i'm gonna put that put that to one side now i can't be bothered it's too much to go through i'm not buying a sofa there's too much choice <laughs> <laughs> but um no again like going back to social media um i yeah sorry that's something right then um when you said about the greatness of it, I mean, it is great reconnecting with old friends, with old families, which is originally what it was set out to to do. Um, and again, I'm not saying that I dislike it. I mean, it's, it's a great tool. Um, again, I run my page on Facebook. So if you want to put your message out to people, you have to go there to do it, despite of your feelings against it um you know like if i was telling people not to use social media then i'm not going to go and stand out in the field and shout about it because no one's going to hit i'll be branded a lunatic you kind of have to go onto social media to get your message across yeah um it's yeah it's got such a heavy um heavy weight or reliance on on our, on our world at the moment you know think of all the on the riots and the protests and stuff um again they're done through social media they're organized through social media um okay i'm starting to go down like the conspiracy theorist route now which, <laughs> which i'm not <laughs> intending to do but um now i think people become so addicted to their phones that you mind-numbingly scroll and scroll and scroll and you're not you're not really benefiting from it again yeah. it's you're a user you're you get addicted to it I mean, how often, I mean, I've caught myself doing it. How often do you scroll through on Facebook, put your phone down, 
start watching some of your program on TV. 20 seconds later, without even realising you've got your phone in your hand again. I wonder if anything's changed in the world in the last 20 seconds. I'd better scroll through for five minutes and just, just check. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one other thing that was on the social dilemma is you know, there was this, um, it was like a, there's an ongoing story about actors in it as well. And um, there's a family dinner. Mm-hmm. They all mm-hmm. want to sit down and actually spend some time as a family. So no phones at the table. And they put their phones in a timed locked box for an hour so nobody can use their phone for an hour. And mm-hmm. then you know, they hear a notification sound on the phone, but they can't get to it. And as soon as you hear that notification, you need to know what it is. You, Your mind is solely thinking of your phone and what we're missing out on, what's going on. You become so out of touch with the reality as to what's actually happening in front of you that you become almost like a slave to your phone and that yeah. rules your life. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the end of my little social media spear, I think, because I'm starting to get myself into a little bit of a conspiracy theorist trap. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure about that per se, but I think you're just, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head that it's, it is such a powerful and useful tool that it's almost impossible to not then use it, even if you don't really like it like you are and kind of like I am. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get a more healthy relationship with my phone. But I still, if I'm, I watched a film with my daughters last night and you know, I had people messaging me, you know, for the first kind of start of the film and I was kind of messaging them back and I'm thinking, I just want to watch this film actually. And eventually I just went, right, you know what? I just put my phone down like where I couldn't reach it. And, you know, it's made sure that I was fully present for me, fully present for my daughters and, you know, enjoyed watching the film as well. You know, actually, actually taking that in properly because that I'm trying to make it where I pick up my phone and do something only if I've actually got a purpose for doing it. Um, yeah. If I find that I'm picking it up just to, for the sake of picking it up, I will kind of grab that thought and go, no, what can I be doing instead? What's a better thing to be doing at this moment in time? And just really trying to be cognizant with that. And if I do find myself just scrolling, I go, why am I just scrolling? And put it down. And so again, find myself something else to do. But it's it's hard because it's we've got all of the information in the known world at our fingertips if we want it. But then we still just scroll. And it's just yeah. like... <laughs> In, this, in the amount of time you spent scrolling in the last two years, you probably could have learned a lot of stuff about quantum entanglement or, you know, about anything, the Bernoulli effect. You know, you're, you're spending 800 quid on a, on a new phone just for your thumb to be scrolling up and, up and down you the want, screen. Of course you spend 800 quid. You want your, phone, your, your thumb to be comfortable when you're scrolling. You want it to be a nice <laughs> scrolling action. I wonder how long it's going to take until they design phones where it's got the little groove at the bottom of the phone to, to rest your little finger in yeah <laughs> not not very far away you know, there we go, uh, it's, it's funny that you should um mention about that kind of spending all that money i remember there was, there was something on a family guy episode and i think this was, must have been about eight nine ten years ago um and i think quagmire was buying a new phone or joe might have been and he's like it's like and Peter said, oh, what, what do you think of that one? It's like, oh, I don't know if I'm, I'm happy with looking at this phone every 30 seconds for the rest of my life or not. 
and it's just, it's just so true that you just yeah put it down 30 seconds later like there we go exactly like, quite often you're... Sorry, sorry hold on so yeah, quite often you, you pick it up and um, if, if you've looked through facebook or you look through instagram quite often i find myself doing it as well i'm guilty of it i'll unlock my phone and i'll just stare at it and it's like well actually i've got no emails i've got none of this i've got none of that i don't need to check this why am i even looking at my phone why is it in my hand it's... can't say i do that you've got a problem man <laughs> you're weirdo maybe i have, maybe I have. no but it's it, it, i think i wouldn't be surprised if that's pretty common if people just waiting for life to happen and then kind of thinking that life is here when it's probably it's all around <laughs> it's literally everywhere else apart from there yeah interesting interesting indeed um so you said about it's going to jump back to something we were talking about a, a little while ago what do you think have been the main things that have helped you in terms of your coping mechanisms like if you're let's say you wake up or you know or something happens and you know that you're having bad days in there or you're just feeling really awful in that moment, what are the things that you do to help you? Because I'm trying to kind of eke out from people these different things that can possibly help because everyone's depression is different. And I'm hoping that if you share something that you, helps you, then that might you know, trigger something in someone listening to go, yeah, I'm going to try that. So go, what, what, what helps you in the, in the moment that's when things are bad? Um, for me, it's probably quite quite boring for some people maybe. But I put in my headphones, you know, I, I love music. I just put in my headphones, get dressed, put a coat on, and I'll just go for a walk. Um, I find that it's a great way of getting yourself out of the four walls that surround you. Um, you know, if you're within these four walls, your mind is also just trapped in there as well. You need to go outside, go for a walk, get some fresh air. Um, and you, you just kind of switch off from reality i find especially if you're i'm quite lucky where i live like a five minute walk i'm down by the river out in the countryside and it's it's beautiful and i just i just sit there I'm just by the river again and just listen to a podcast or two or just listen to some music and that is my way of just having a bit of time to myself and doing my own thing and i find that, that that's what helps me i mean mm. i know some people might go for a run or go to the gym or you know, a whole number of things but for me it's quite simply putting in some headphones and just going for a walk well like i said everyone's depression is different and the therefore the thing that's going to help people is going to be completely different as well so i think that's uh, a good thing to do if you're getting getting up and getting up to that's going to get some endorphins going and you know like you said like escapism and putting your putting yourself literally in a different place can only kind of help you put your brain in, in a different place as well so thank you for sharing that so um if people oh. want to find out about adult my default where can they go to do that um so facebook mainly i mean i do have an instagram but i don't use that as much um but facebook it's just doubt my default with no spaces because i'm edgy like that i guess edgy. And, uh, edgy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i mean so that that's where you can find me at the moment um, like I said, I've only been doing it about four or five months, so things may expand in the near future. Who knows? Um, 
yeah for those of you who might be asking what you know what sort of thing am I doing it's I wouldn't quite know how to put it myself I mean it's not quite a blog it's not quite self-help it's not it's not just purely raising awareness it's just a whole mishmash of things that go through my head um I'm putting it out there and trying to help people raising awareness and you know everything mainly about depression at the moment until I learn more about other things but um yeah Facebook down my default no spaces <laughs> and uh yeah that's where you can find me fantastic yeah from what from what the the things that I've seen on it it feels an awful lot like someone who's going through an experience sharing not just their own thoughts on the experience but then the things that then surround that as a greater thing in a way that's put out there to try and make it less stigmatized and make it more the whole thing more relatable to people reading it that's how i've kind of interpreted what i've seen yeah i think that's, that's pretty much the nail on the head really um again i think the main focus it well, wasn't it wasn't to begin with but the main focus now is generally raising awareness and trying to break down that stigma of mental health because i think so many people suffer and they feel like um opening up or talking about it is going to make them appear to be weak or they'll be judged which i think is a discuss not, not disgusting but it's it's not a healthy way to look at it i think actually finding the courage to actually speak up that is a strength it's not a weakness mm. um and yeah a lot of things i share are things that i've learned and it's kind of helped me and things that maybe other people should should try if you're suffering yourself then you know, read a couple of things and think, you know what, I'm going to try that. It's little things that I've learned that are, that are helping and maybe it might help you too. If you'd like help boosting your self-esteem, then head to bit.ly forward slash gist self-esteem, where you can read all about self-esteem and download your free self-esteem boosting checklist. Thanks for tuning in to the Gist of It podcast. Enjoyed today's episode? Then give us a rating and hit subscribe.